0: Turn your great idea into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support is there to help. Head to squarespace.com slash myths for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code myths to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This week, on Myths and Legends, it's a story from Slavic folklore, about Prince Ivan and Bulat the Brave Companion, where we'll learn all about how to find the best horse with a karate chop, and how you should free the most dangerous sorcerer in your father's dungeons, because he offered you a new car. The creature this week is the slimy hairy guy, who's watching you from your windows right now. This is Myths and Legends, episode 182, The Brave Companions. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you'd think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. As I said, we're back in Slavic fairy tales for a standalone episode. It's set maybe sometime after the 12th century in Eastern Europe or Northern Asia, that doesn't really matter, because it doesn't relate to anything historical, or even to any of the other Slavic tales we've told on this podcast. So, we'll just jump right in. There was once a czar named Chodor, which, I know, let's just get past it. Anyway, czar Chodor had one son... And if you're a fairy tale czar, and you have a son, is there really anything else to name him? The prince was named Ivan. And if you haven't heard my many explanations of this, including one incorrect one early on, Ivan was just like Hans in German, or John in England. It was a common name used in fairy tales. And this Prince Ivan is not related to any of the ones we've talked about thus far. Like the near countless Ivans that have graced the pages of fairy tales before, this one was a good kid. His father doted on him, but also prepared him for the work of being a medieval czar. It didn't come as a surprise to Chodor when Ivan heard the call to adventure, the desire to ride off to faraway lands, put what he had learned to the test, and bring honor to the name of himself and his father. Despite the kingdom's future being pinned on this one guy, the Tsar let him go. But first, he would have to choose a horse. As Tsarevich Ivan entered the stable, He knew the horse for him would be the one on whose back he laid his hand, but didn't drop to his knees. And I know, those conditions seemed as arbitrary as they were specific, but when horse after horse dropped to its knees at the touch of Ivan's hand, the young man sighed. Well, can't just take a different horse, but these were all the horses in the kingdom, so it was moping time. As we all do, Prince Ivan took his crossbow, his favorite crossbow bolt and roved around the fields to drive away his sadness because nothing drives away sadness like firing randomly at small animals. And that's what Ivan did. He saw a swan and just before it took off, Ivan took the crossbow, braced it, drew back, put the bolt in and leveled it at the swan who was now in the air. He pulled the trigger and his favorite arrow completely missed the swan going off into the forest. I'll be honest, I don't get Ivan having a favorite arrow, so I definitely don't get why he shot it randomly at a swan, as a sort of medieval pick-me-up, and then just started crying when, searching the field, he could not find the favorite bolt. It had been a tough day for Ivan. First a horse didn't meet his exacting and arbitrary specifications, and now his favorite crossbow bolt was gone, because someone, and Ivan wasn't naming names, decided to shoot it at a swan for no reason. Ivan quickly stopped looking and ended up just wandering around the fields weeping, which, you know, cried out, Ivan. When he heard someone calling him from far off, Ivan Zarevich, come here, Ivan Zarevich. Ivan stopped weeping and wiped his nose. What? Who was that? He followed the voice for a long way, still calling his name from some unseen place until the voice was right next to him. Ivan gasped and turned. It was a prison cell built into the side of a hill. Even with the prisoner calling his name, Ivan still almost missed the iron lattice that hid the inside of the man's cell. An arm emerged from the iron, with a hand beckoning Ivan toward the stranger, toward the eyes, looking out from the darkness of the cell. Who, how do you know my name? Ivan asked, keeping his distance with his hand on his crossbow for comfort. The smile flashed from the darkness, and the man inside replied, I mean, this is a Slavic fairy tale. You say Ivan Sarovich enough times, and someone's going to come running. But no, I know you. Well, not you, of you. You're the son of Tsar What was his name again? Chodor. What's got you down, buddy? Ivan explained to the man left to rot in a prison under a hill that he was having the worst day. First, he couldn't find a horse that pleased him, and now his favorite arrow had been lost. Just the worst time anyone has ever had, ever. The smile flashed again from the darkness as the hand dipped back into the cell and emerged with a crossbow bolt. Ivan's favorite crossbow bolt. Before Ivan could say anything, the stranger said that he could get Ivan a horse, and he would return the crossbow bolt that nearly killed him when it bounced into a cell, but he wanted something in return. Anything, anything you ask, Ivan said, eager to get the crossbow bolt back that he had pointlessly shot at a swan not an hour ago. Okay, uh, quick pointer, as royalty, you're going to want to stop responding to requests with an immediate blank check. Bad guys might take advantage of that. All I want, though, is my freedom. Ivan shrugged. Uh, sure. And who was he? A face emerged from the shadows wizened and mad. Him? Oh, he's a bad guy. Or, well, he was. 33 years of solitary confinement under a hill has a way of mellowing you out a bit. A while back, he had been known as Bulat the Brave Companion. He was a famous robber. Not too many fans among the royalty and the noble class, though. Chodor and Co. Dor didn't feel like being stolen from, so they mobilized an army to come after Bulat. They captured him and threw him in this prison. Ivan if his dad put Bulat there, but Bulat cut him off. There was no bad blood between Bulat and his father. Sure, Bulat was a magical criminal, and Chodor was the guy that imprisoned him for half of his life, but Bulat promised that if Ivan let him out, he would never come back to this land, certainly not take magical retribution on his dad. Ivan, maybe thinking he could trust the word of a self-confessed criminal, or maybe just wanting a horse and an arrow, Thought that this Bullock guy seemed like a straight shooter. Sure, deal. Okay, how does he find that horse? As Ivan walked the plains, reading the notes he had written on his hands, he must have thought that he should get out more. There was not only a prison that held a -a once-in-a-generation magical criminal, but enchanted stables all within like a 15-minute walk from his father's city. He looked for the three oak trees in the field, and when he found them, he brushed away the leaves in the middle, revealing an iron hatch. He had followed Bulat's advice, and gone home to the city to get a hammer, because once he climbed the ladder under the hatch down into the dark, he found himself looking at a sequence of 12 locks in a row. Because these locks had been sitting there for the better part of three decades, and Ivan had a hammer, it was 12 wax and 12 broken, rusted locks before Ivan was looking at it. At him, at the armored stallion standing before him. Ivan held his breath as he placed his hand on the horse's back, but the creature didn't drop to the ground like all of those lesser horses. The horse, maybe liking and respecting the trained knight standing before him, maybe wanting to get out of the stable for the first time in 33 years, neighed loudly and allowed Ivan to saddle and bridle him. It was at this time that Ivan found a full suit of armor and a battle axe. Deciding to help himself to all these things, Ivan put on the armor and mounted the horse. Now, Ivan had to climb down a ladder and go through 12 human-sized doors to find the horse. And it doesn't say how they got out of the magical stable. I'm choosing to believe it was like the Bat Cave, with a stable connected to a waterfall, and Ivan just had to jump out, and he was back on the road. Getting back on the road, he really opened things up, and got this horse up to 30, 40 miles an hour, before bringing the stallion back around to Bulat's prison. Bulat smiled. So, Ivan liked the horse, huh? Ivan and Bulat traded one last thing. Bulat gave Ivan his favorite crossbow bolt back, telling him to seriously be more careful with it. And Ivan gave Bulat his freedom. Ivan looked inside Bulat's hobbit hole prison, and grimaced. Bulat told him not to judge, It's not like he wanted to be here and this place wasn't built with a bathroom. Bulat the brave companion smiled with a mouth full of rotting teeth and the old man, stooped, breathed the air of freedom for the first time in 33 years. He turned to Ivan and told the young man that he was so grateful to be free that if Ivan ever needed him, he only had to say, where is my Bulat the brave companion? And Bulat would instantly come to serve him faithfully in his time of need. Ivan the armored knight looked down from his steed on the stooped and stinky old man. Yeah, sure. Thanks? Bulat smelled his breath. Ooh, you know what? He should freshen up a bit. He turned, and to no one in particular, cried, Burka, he, fox of spring appear, like a grass blade here, stand before me. A horse appeared beside him, and Bulat crouched down the horse shrank as the horse climbed into Bulat's ear, ate and drank his fill, and then climbed out the other ear. It said that when the horse was fully out of Bulat's ear, Bulat became, quote, such a handsome youth as no one can imagine. No pen can describe and no story can tell. So I guess I'm off the hook for that one. Bulat mounted his horse, said he would be seeing Ivan and galloped off, fulfilling his other promise to leave Chodor's land forever. So, tell me, what is a squire? Ivan asked his squire. He totally knew. He was just, like, making sure the squire knew. The squire, the grown man on one of the reject horses, pursed his lips. Well, in general, as Ivan no doubt knew, there were three stages when becoming a knight. A page, a squire, and a full-blown knight. A page started off at the age of like seven. He learned how to ride a horse, use weapons, learn courtesy and chivalry under the tutelage of a squire, and when he became a squire, he was basically an apprentice knight who learned under an elder knight. He carried the knight's armor, took care of the horses, set up camp, dressed the knight... Did all sorts of stuff, until the knight dubbed him a knight of his own. Ivan Sarovich laughed. Huh, he never had to do any of that, and he was like, younger than his squire and already a full-blown knight. I must be pretty awesome, like, try to keep up, little guy. The squire took a deep breath. Yeah, that was one way of looking at it. Hey, he was thirsty. Could they stop? They had been on the road for a couple of weeks at this point, for Ivan's journey to somewhere he had returned with the steed and armor, picked up a squire, and started on his way. Ivan was having an awesome time, and the employee he brought with him, over whose career advancement Ivan had complete control, assured him that he was having a great time too. And why wouldn't Ivan believe him? He had no incentive to lie. Now, they were stopping for some water. The only pools they had passed were stagnant. So Ivan was happy to see a well, but, ugh. There wasn't a bucket. All right. He turned to his squire. He would tie a rope around the man's waist... and lower him down into the well to fill his water skin... to get some fresh water for them both. The squire wasn't a big guy... but by virtue of being older than the prince... and the fact that he had trained daily to be a knight... he was bigger than the prince. A lot bigger. When he was given the order to follow this soft little princeling into the wilderness... He thought he might end up dead, but if he had to, it wouldn't be at the bottom of a well because the prince couldn't hold him. Now, if anyone was going, Prince Ivan was going. Prince Ivan shrugged and took the rope, fastening it around his waist. Just be careful, he told the squire. The life of your boss is in your hands. The squire cocked his head. Huh, yeah. It was a dingy, musty old well, and By the time Prince Ivan reached the bottom of it, he wasn't even sure he wanted the water, but he took a big scoop, reached behind him, and tugged on the rope. And the squire lowered him another three feet until half of Prince Ivan's body was submerged. It was only about 40 seconds, long enough for the panic to set in, but not long enough that someone would pass out, not even Prince Ivan. Prince Ivan gasped and sucked at the air when he emerged from the well water, Hey, the squire slipped. He almost died. What was going on up there? The squire yelled back that he didn't slip. That was intentional. And if Prince Ivan didn't want the next one to be longer, but he was cut off. Prince Ivan screamed that this squire would pull him back up now. And if he was lucky, Ivan would only beat him to within an inch of his life. He didn't get to finish his sentence either. He found himself inhaling water as the squire dropped him for 50 seconds this time. That ought to cool him off. And it did. After Ivan caught his breath again, he screamed back up, pleading for the squire not to kill him. He would do anything. The squire said that that was more like it. He liked the sound of that. Anything. He would make this brief. From now on, the squire was Ivan Zarevich, and Prince Ivan was the squire. You agree to this, or I just drown you and take your clothes, the squire said. Sorry to cut directly to the chase, but I'm actually starting to get pretty tired holding this rope up here. Ivan screamed that he agreed, just please don't kill him. When Ivan made it to the top of the well, he found the squire standing there. Sorb pointed at him. He tossed Ivan a piece of paper and told him to get writing. To further cement the oath made under duress, Ivan wrote on the paper that he was the servant and the squire was the master, and Ivan gave up his cloak and weapons to the squire. The squire mounted Ivan's horse, and the pair continued on. The squire said that, unlike Ivan, he had a plan. The Tsardom of Tsar Penthui wasn't far from here. He was getting married. We'll see what fake Ivan's plans are, but that will be right after this. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts A few days later in the castle of Tsar Panthui, Faux Ivan and the Tsar were having a meeting. Just between you and me, the Foe Ivan said to Tsar Panthui, that squire is super annoying. I'd like to, you know, end his whole career today. Send him down to do the worst jobs in the kitchen. And please, do not be stingy with those beatings. He knows what he did. The Tsar shrugged, gave the order, and the real Prince Ivan was dragged off to the kitchen. You're kind of older and bigger than I thought you'd be, Tsar Panthoui said, grinning as he looked at Prince Ivan. But still, you want to marry my daughter? Absolutely. You're the son of Tsar Chodor. You're kind of a big deal. There's just like one little massive thing that's threatening the lives of my entire kingdom. The foe Ivan was confused. Okay, and what is this thing? The Tsar showed him a message. It had come from one of his scouts. There was an army not one day away, a rival czar that threatened to lay the whole city to waste and take the czar prisoner. The foe Ivan blinked, and what did the king want him to do about it? A lone traveler who appeared with, yes, a ball or horse, but an annoying squire and not much else. The czar threw up his hands and said that that was Ivan's problem. He was at his wits' end, and they'd all be dead by morning if Prince Ivan didn't do anything. The squire in the guise of Ivan froze. Wait, the rival Tsar was already here? Tsar Panthoui nodded. Yeah, showed up right after Ivan did. They were now completely besieged. Like it or not, Ivan was in it now too. The squire thought quickly. He said that he would do it, but he would only fight under the cover of darkness. He would drive the enemy back. But just one thing... Where were the kitchens? Yeah, no, hard pass, the real Ivan said, as the pair stood in the shade of the courtyard. You took my life from me, and now you want my help winning the princess's hand? The squire nodded, and not dying. That's the part that should interest Ivan the most. The army was at the gate. They would attack, ransack the city, and if Ivan was lucky, he'd be killed. This was as much about self-preservation as it was about helping a squire win the hand of a princess. The squire said that he knew that Ivan had been up to something. He saw that Ivan had left moping, firing his crossbow in the air, and he had come back with that magical armored horse. He had something up his sleeve, and if he had a card to play, now was the time to play it. (sighs) Ivan groaned. Yeah, yeah, he had something. He would meet a squire out by the front gate tonight. The squire grinned. Uh, no. He'd be sleeping because he was getting married soon and he didn't want bags underneath his eyes and the woodblock printing of his special day. Ivan would be handling this one alone. Thanks. Ivan rolled his eyes and made his way back down to the kitchen. He still had like 60 pots to deglaze before he saved everyone's lives tonight. Or, rather, before Bulat saved everyone's lives that night. Ivan found his horse standing by the front gate, and he called out, Where is my Bulat, the brave companion? Ivan nearly jumped out of his skin, when he turned and found Bulat grinning. Hey, bud. What can I help you with? Oh, wait. Does it have anything to do with that army that's charging toward us? Bulat asked. Ivan nodded. Yes. Yes, it did. "'That's... that's a lot of bodies, Ivan,' the Tsar said to the faux Ivan as he looked out on the field the next morning. "'Yeah, I'm thinking it's like 90K, 100K, all in one night. "'It might be a new record, maybe. "'And yet you look so well-rested,' the Tsar remarked, "'looking his son-in-law to be up and down.' Faux <laughs> Ivan shrugged. "'What could he say? He was the complete package. "'All right, so was he getting married or was he getting married?' He was getting married, but the wedding wasn't like most fairy tale weddings. There were weeks of planning that went into this one. Two weeks, exactly. It was on the eve of his wedding to the Tsarina, the princess, that, once again, the fires of the enemy burned outside of the gate. The enemy Tsar had returned with a fresh army and besieged the city. Fake Ivan had to, once again, find his way to the kitchens. Their lives were at risk, blah, 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 he needed a favor and he got it. Ivan summoned Bulat. The two attacked, and once again, they drove back the enemy forces. When the foe Ivan approached the Tsar the following day, he asked if, you know, they might have the wedding now? He, this kind of was starting to smell a little funny to him. The Tsar shook his head. Everything's on the level, but he thought the whole attack was just going to be like, a one-off thing. But this was a fairy tale, and things either happened one time, or three times. So, Sit tight, and when the enemy king returns, work your probably actual magic again. And you can marry my daughter. Cool? Cool. (sighs) The foe Ivan sighed. He felt like he was being used by this ill-prepared czar, and he only liked people being used when he was the one doing the using. You know... I really like you, Bulat, the real Ivan said to his brave companion on the third time they found themselves facing down the enemy Tsar's army. The Tsarmi, if you will. Bulat looked at Ivan. Really? Ivan shrugged. He had been waiting to say that for weeks and he'll admit it did sound funnier in his head. When the battle was finished and Bulat was pulling a sword from the enemy Tsar's chest, he turned to his young friend, Prince Ivan, and said that he was proud of the man. Selflessly fighting on behalf of a kingdom he would never rule, Ivan slapped Bulat on the back. He said that he loved the weirdly powerful stranger. This was the start of a beautiful friendship. Bulat paused. All right, well, he was leaving town forever. Ivan held up a finger, took a big swig from his water skin, and then spit it out. What? Bulat said that he was super grateful that Ivan released him from the prison. Like killing 300,000 people almost single-handedly grateful. I mean, do we even know the politics of why this enemy czar was attacking? I don't. Are we the baddies? Who's to say? Regardless, it gets difficult to have a life when you have to show up anytime someone says, Where is Bulat, my brave companion? It's been fun, but I should be going. I was in jail for 33 years, and I want to start building a life. I have a line on a 10,000 ruble loan, which I can't remotely pay back. Ivan said that that sounds like the start of another story. Eh, more like the middle of someone else's story where I swoop in and, with extreme violence, save the day. That is very much your thing, Ivan said, and smiled. He thanked Bulat the Brave, once again, for his help in rescuing the kingdom ruled by Ivan's duplicitous squire. But Bulat said he would never forget the man before leaving to take out a high-interest loan with unfavorable conditions he was in no way capable of paying back. And if you're wondering why all of this loan talk is coming out of nowhere, it relates to the next major time the character named Bulat would appear in Slavic folklore. And we actually covered it way back in episode 5b, when he helps yet another Prince Ivan kill Koschei the Deathless once and for all. Because of how these stories generally go, it's probably not the same Bulat the Brave, but... It's fun to pretend. Ivan returned to the kitchens after saving the kingdom. Frustrated, but honor bound to his word not to reveal the false prince. Days passed, and then weeks, until there was a flurry in the kitchen. The royal wedding between the princess and the kingdom's savior was at hand. Ivan prepped, cooked, and cleaned like a madman. And when everything was done, perfectly and ahead of schedule, he had a request for his boss that he'd go up and see the wedding feast. The boss looked over everything Ivan had done, and shrugged. You know what? The kid had done a good job. Sure, he could go up and see the fruits of his labor. But Ivan wasn't going up to look at the food. He was going up to see Surya, the princess. He looked at the grand banquet, and nodded. Even just a few weeks ago, this would have filled him with rage. This was his birthright. He deserved this. He was better than a lowly kitchen worker. But Ivan realized now that he hadn't deserved this. He wasn't better than anyone. He had won a birth lottery and thought that that enabled him to treat the rest of the world like dirt. He simultaneously thought that he deserved every bit of honor and gold because of his name, but also that he would be nothing without it. He also realized that neither of those things were true. He saw that he could lose it all and be just fine as himself, as simply Ivan. He had lived among the people. As one of the people, he had looked down upon his whole life. And he realized that he wasn't different from them at all. They were people too, worthy of the same respect and dignity of a prince. He looked on the scene that would have made him indignant when he first arrived and realized just how far he had come. He was going to be okay he would have enough money for a horse soon. And then, who knew what the wide world held for Ivan? (sighs) He sighed, met eyes with the princess, nodded, and left the ball. He didn't make it as far as the courtyard before he heard the shouting and felt the hands grip his shoulders and arms. He was dragged back into the hall where he was tossed in front of the princess. You're not who you say you are, she accused. Ivan stood and brushed himself off. He wasn't from the kitchen? She considered it. Okay, he was from the kitchen, but he wasn't a squire. He was her husband. The court gasped. The Tsar stood. Both Ivan and foe Ivan froze. The Tsar boomed. What was the meaning of this? The princess said that the man her father had forced her to marry wasn't actually a prince. He wasn't even the one who saved the kingdom on three separate occasions. That was the man whose place he took, the true prince, the man from the kitchens who stood before all of them now. It wasn't until she saw his face that she knew. The Tsar stroked his beard and how did she know this? Was it because of his royal nature, his royal blood that had no option but to cry out from behind this peasant facade? The Tsarina, the princess, blinked uh, no It was more so That she overheard The false Ivan Pressing the real one Into service The first night In the courtyard Oh The Tsar said Yeah They were talking Really loudly Right underneath my window Tsarina continued The Tsar turned To the real Ivan Still in the center Of a ring of guards Well Ivan shook his head He was honor bound To neither confirm Nor deny What the Tsarina was saying the Tsar turned to the foe Ivan, seated next to the Tsarina. And what did he have to say for... Wait, he was gone? He was gone. Even though he might have been able to talk his way out of this, despite for some reason getting it all in writing, that being extremely incriminating, he figured the safest thing to do was take the dowry, take Ivan's sweet magical horse, and just go to the next kingdom over. I mean, he was the faux heir apparent to a Russian Tsar He would just hire a squire, be careful around Wells, and that was that. The Tsar was enraged. A conversation where his daughter didn't actually see the two men talking, and the faux Ivan ducking out of the room, that was all the proof he needed to declare his new son-in-law an outlaw. He turned back to the real Ivan with a conciliatory tone. He was so, so, wait, he's gone too? Ivan was gone when his squire was declared an outlaw. He knew there was something he needed to do, a score he had to settle. He rushed to his cot in the kitchens and overturned it, revealing his pack, his crossbow. He raced up to the wall, heart pounding, breathless, but he made it in time. There, just outside of the gate, was the squire on his horse. Even though the squire spurred the horse onward, Ivan could see that his stallion was resisting the imposter. Ivan smiled. There was still time. From his pack, Ivan drew his favorite crossbow bolt. He drew back the crossbow, put the bolt in and aimed. This was the crossbow bolt that had started all of this. And this was the one that would end it. This time, it would find its target. He yelled for all the men on the wall to stand down. This one was his. Ivan exhaled and pulled the trigger. And he missed, by a lot. The squire continued riding. Wow, it's like you weren't even pointed in the right direction, the soldiers at the wall remarked. Oh, well, almost hit that swan over there, though. All right, guys, on three. And on three, every crossbow bolt shot from the wall hit its mark. The squire dropped to the ground as a crossbow bolt pincushion. It was over. When Ivan returned to the hall, He found the royal family rejoicing at the news of the squire's execution and Ivan took a seat in the chair that was still warm from the imposter. They resumed the ceremony and day as if nothing had happened and Ivan and the princess were married. When they returned to Tsar Chodor's kingdom, the man said that he could see that his son had gone through like a journey of personal development and that he was richer for the experience, blah, blah, blah. Welcome back. But Prince Ivan was. He had learned that each person from the lowliest servant to the richest czar, was worthy of dignity and respect. And his kingdom and rule was better for it. Kind of a cool, rare fairy tale happy ending this week. I will admit... The story just says that the squire was shot out in front of the gate. That bit about the horse and the favorite crossbow bolt at the end, that was my addition. Because the two things that were so important in the first half of the story are just like never mentioned again. I thought it would be a fun way to kind of tie it back in and end at the beginning. If you like the podcast, we also have a little shop. It's a fun way to help support the show, get cool stuff, and for a limited time, we're offering something just for graduation. Handwritten, personal messages from us to the graduate in your life. Plus a few bonus gifts. Check out this and the other stuff we make at shop.bardic.fm. The creature this time is Shokara from Japanese folklore. The Shokara's is like Batman, perched on roofs, looking to punish evildoers, and really those are the only two ways in which it is like Batman, because the Shokera is somehow both hairy and slimy, and while it doesn't have bleeding-edge tech to keep track of evildoers, it does have three parasitic worms that live inside your body. In a branch of Taoism, called Koshin, there is a belief that three worms live inside our stomachs, and every 60 days when someone goes to sleep, the worms escape the body and tell the deities what sins a person has committed and the severity of said sins. And then the gods would use that information to lengthen or shorten a person's life. Back in the day, there was a clever workaround for these worm snitches. They can only come out when you sleep, so you don't sleep. There was like one day every 60 days where people would just stay up, hang out, and party all day and night. I think that the Shokera is a solution to that particular loophole. Because while the worms are helpful, the Shokera does not need them. He'll creep around your roof and windows leaving his slime and hair everywhere. And if you're one of the bad ones, watch out. He'll fly through the window. And if he doesn't scare you to death, you might wish he had. Because if the gods aren't going to shorten a person's life for their sins, the Shokera certainly will. I found that we actually don't know much about the Shokera. Not only because this practice has fallen out of popularity over the past few hundred years, but because... Admitting that you've seen the show Kara is basically saying that you're such a bad person that a hairy, slimy ape has to come into your home and beat you up every 60 days. Not usually something people brag about. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free. The Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.